not made of glass, it was made of pure concrete. A little girl's mentality versus a grown woman's mentality. It's because as girls have been held under a microscope day to day, and then when it began, as you probably know, it was all male, and they wanted to keep it that way. Hello again, Emma Millen here with another episode of Any Last Can, a show designed to air and discuss all the issues we face as young Northeast lasses and say, look here mate, we can. This episode contains some fire local music from Kay Grayson, writing and words from Claire Alexander and Emily Dodds. But first... The ratio of autistic males to females ranges from about 2 to 1 to 16 to 1 here in the UK. Autism is an exaggeration of normal gender differences, so can be hard to diagnose, especially in women and girls. I'm joined by Isabel Hunt, a member of the Autism in Mind team here in Sunderland. I think we should start with the question of what is autism? Yeah, so autism is classed as a spectrum condition. Um, So with it being a spectrum, it means that every autistic person is different. Um, It's if you imagine like a never ending rope, you know, each autistic person is on a on a different part of that rope. Um, And obviously, depending where they are, their um, their challenges and their strengths will differ. Um, But if you're autistic and you're you experience the world very different to neurotypical people or non autistic people. So if you're autistic, um, you will be classed as having difficulties in certain areas um, and they are social and communication difficulties. You'll also have sensory issues and you'll um, you'll think in a different way to non-autistic people. Now, um, the, the degree to which each autistic person experiences those difficulties varies from person to person. And which is why it can be hard to identify autistic people and to get them diagnosed sometimes. So what is it about autistic people that what are the sort of traits you can spot? Is it although it's different in anyone, is there sort of a common denominator? Well, in terms of the common denominators, it does come back to those um, difficulties with um, social interactions, communication difficulties. But if an autistic person is masking or imitating other people or trying to fit in, it can be really hard to see the the difficulties they're having um, because some autistic people are so brilliant at masking that you can have no idea whatsoever. So you can say that it can be sort of misdiagnosed, ungone for quite a long time. Is it different from boys to girls? Um, so historically, um, it was, autism was considered to be something that um, boys or, or men had. So um, stereotypically, clinicians would be looking for boys, whereas um, girls or women would get diagnosed with other things such as bipolar or EUPD, which is Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder. Um, So there was a bit of a bias historically. Um, Obviously, the awareness and understanding has increased, you know, to to change that. And in this region, you know, we are diagnosing an awful lot of females. Um, And at the moment, the ratio is probably a 50-50 split in terms of referrals for diagnosis, at least on the adult side. So what age do people get diagnosed? Well, 
<laughs> That's the question because it totally differs. So I'm autistic myself and I was diagnosed two years ago just before I turned 30. Um, so, you know, I thought that was late in life, but we do have some members at AIM who were diagnosed into their 60s and 70s. You know, we also have people who come to AIM who were diagnosed at three or four. So it's really hard to try and narrow down that age range. It totally depends on um, kind of when you were born, um, the area you lived in, um, just your, your upbringing as well. Um, it depends if people at school had an understanding of autism and, and might have, you know, connected the dots uh, for a particular student. Um, you know, it's, it's very variable really. And personally for you, you know, when you were growing up at school, did you, did you think that, you know, anything was different towards you to the other people? Um, it is really interesting that because I assumed that everybody was the same as me and everybody struggled. Well, everybody um, thought the same and just that I wasn't as good as managing as other people were. So I always thought it was me. Um, but really, you know, when I got my diagnosis, or at least when I thought I was autistic and I referred myself, you know, doing some research, it kind of suddenly all made sense about why I'd struggled in certain areas and things. Um, so I think a lot of the time there can be autistic people out there, you know, men and women who are just getting on with their lives and um, the way they think and the way they view the things around them, they just assume that everybody is seeing and experiencing things the way they are and that, you know, they just find it harder. But actually, you know, everybody's different and it's not until somebody, until you talk to someone and you explain your difficulties that someone's got a chance to say, well, actually, no, a lot of people don't experience those things. So at what point in your life did you see that, you know, this isn't the way people experience things? Um, I think for me personally, it was, um, it, it was kind of a... Um, a difficult point in my life where um, there were some stresses at work and I think I um, I would put them off and you know put them at the back of my mind but I think um, where, I, where I worked at that point um, the work stressors kind of didn't go away so it meant that the the bad days were turning into every day and I couldn't keep pushing things to the back of my mind and not think about them and it really made me start to realize that these difficulties I'd had my whole life. And, um, but other people around me didn't seem to be struggling as much as me. So I think at that point, it was, it was then when I thought, hang on, am I different? You use this word masking as well. I think it's interesting, you know, how, you know, it's, it's different in each gender. Um, and I think in society now, especially for young females, um, no matter where they are in the country, you, we are all masking something, whether you have autism, whether you don't know you have autism or whether you don't. I think we all mask something, especially in sort of female society. And that's the way we're brought up. Is there sort of a connection between that and therefore females go unmissed and unheard? Yes, I, I do think there is. Um, and I think, I think you're right. Everybody masks. 
um, at some point in their life. And I think the pressure on young women as well, especially, you know, around teenagers and, and moving on, the pressure to fit in, to keep up with the fashion, the latest makeup trends, things like that. It is a lot of pressure for anybody, whether they're autistic or not. Um, and I think that, you know, women sometimes can mask better, better than men. Um, and I think it can be easy to just go with the flow and mimic what other people do. Um, and everybody, you know, can use masking to the, to them, to help them in life. So if somebody's going for a job interview, you know, it can help to put on a bit of a mask, give yourself a bit of a boost um, through that kind of period. Um, so throughout our lives, everybody has various masks that they'll put on and take off. But for autistic people, when they mask, usually it's all the time from when they wake up to when they go to bed um, to the point that actually they can lose their identity. They can find it very hard to try and know who they are as a person. Person, um, and it can get harder and harder to take the mask off um, and it, and it, ha it takes a big toll as well um, it leads to a lot of mental health issues obviously if you're always pretending to be somebody you're not it can erode your self-esteem and your, and your confidence because you're pretending to be something that you're not which leads you to think that maybe the real you needs to be hidden for some reason um, and I think it can be difficult when um, girls are growing up as well, you know, we're not always the nicest to one another at points in our lives, you know, we can get very competitive um, and at school, you know, I think um, people can turn on each other for, for smaller reasons um, and obviously that's another reason why an autistic girl might want to try and mask to fit in. Um, because she might find it very difficult to understand why someone was talking to her one day and not the next, you know, um, whereas masking kind of gets rid of all that. If you're copying what other people are doing and they seem to be managing well, you know, that's what you'll try and do. I think it's interesting how you mentioned like social media and all the rest of it. Um, it is even for someone that isn't a teenager, growing up with that sort of our generation has grown up with that. And from a young age, we learn to do that and to learn to, you know, put your best stuff online and everything else is put in the back of your mind. So it can be hard to, you know, distinguish whether, you know, I, uh, this is me, but I know that that's not me. Um, but I'm trying to mask it or to say like, actually there is something deeply, something a bit not right mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right i think whenever people look at social media they always have to have that thought in the back of the head that this person could have spent two hours to look like that and are making it look very casual um, and sometimes autistic people um, might not always think that way what they see is what their brain connects as the reality so if they follow a lot of people who always look amazing you know, um, and they think that it just looks so easy for them and they don't actually understand the whole picture behind it. It can leave them feeling very low about themselves because obviously we all know that if you're a model, it takes time to look like that, but we generally always see the, the end result. So do you think that the word, even the word autism has some sort of stigma behind it? Yes, I, I think it does. I don't think it has as much stigma as it used to. 
Um, and I think it is because as well, the terminology they've used has changed a bit. Um, so obviously they used to give you different labels. So um, some people might have been given Asperger's as a label. Some might have received high functioning autism. Um, some might have received autism. Um, by when you look at the labels, um, if people are receiving Asperger's or high functioning and somebody else gets an autism diagnosis, then that leaves you to think, well, is that person on the lower end of the scale? Um, so now what they do is um, when they diagnose people, they give you a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. And it, it's not a disorder. We prefer the word condition. Um, but on the official letters, it would come through as ASD. And the reason they changed the labels was because they realized that somebody given a diagnosis of high functioning or Asperger's um, was thought to be able to manage okay. Um, and actually their challenges were, um, weren't really looked at, you know, so they were left to their own devices. Whereas somebody given a diagnosis of maybe uh, low functioning autism, you know, it was looked at in view of only what they couldn't do when there were a lot of things that they would be able to do. Um, so they have replaced the labels and I think, I think that helps in one way, but I think in other ways, um, it's led people to misunderstand how big of a condition autism is. Um, and, you know, I think quite a few people, um, if they were to say to someone, oh, I'm autistic, quite often what the response is, oh, I never would you have thought you were autistic. And the person thinks that they're giving them maybe a compliment. But actually, um, what that kind of conveys sometimes is the thought of, so what does autism look like? What would you have expected me to look like um, in your view? And I think there is a lot more understanding of autism, but it still needs to go a bit further. And there needs to be more acceptance of autism as well. How was it personally when you got told you had autism? Did you feel, did you go through something mentally or did you just think, right, at least I can put a, a thing to it now? It, it is a big event. And I think, um, so before they give you a diagnosis, they kind of confer with each other for a few minutes. So um, I was standing outside of the room with my mum and I actually said to her, I'm terrified that they say, no, you're not autistic. Because if they say no, then everything I've read that helps me make sense of my life is gone. Um, and when I went in, I was just really relieved that they did say, yes, you're autistic. Um, and then I think after that, you kind of start to review your entire life, like you're looking through rose-tinted glasses and you can start to understand certain experiences that you had certain situations, you can think, oh, maybe that's why that happened. And that's why I didn't understand this scenario. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's something that takes a while to get used to. It's not overnight, you're just gonna get your diagnosis and then just carry on. It's, you know, everybody says life's a journey. And if you get that autism diagnosis, whether you get it when you're 10 or whether you get it when you're 50, you know, it adds another layer to that journey because autism is a part of who you are. And if you don't understand your autism, you'll never truly understand yourself. That's so interesting. Do you think that, um, I know when I was at school, we knew that there was people with autism in our classes, uh, even teachers, 
but we never got sort of taught about it. Do you think there needs to be something put in place to be like, yes, this can be a thing and you might be going through it right now. You just don't realise yet. Yeah, I definitely think there should be more awareness of it at schools um, and when children are growing up. I think it's got to be um, approached very carefully, though, because obviously you don't want to be kind of pointing out these people in your class are autistic and, um, you know, they need these adjustments to help them. Um, because it can be that some children who are uh, diagnosed as children as they grow up they try to hide their autism and um, because maybe sometimes at school you know it has been a bit of a stigma for them or some of the adjustments they need to help them get through the day um, has brought attention to them in a negative way so I, I definitely think that there should be more because I think children can be very accepting um, you know they're, they're very blank slates um, and I think it's great to make them aware of a range of issues, you know, and autism is definitely one of them. You say as well that um, when people do get like a stigma or say like, you know, try and hide their autism from other people, that is maybe making it a lot worse because they're masking themselves, they're, they're, they're doing exactly what their condition does to them. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the big things um, for anyone, really, whether you're autistic or not, is to know your normal um, to, to understand, you know, what you need and who you are. Um, because I think if you do spend your whole life trying to hide your autism, it's it's such a big thing. And it just makes you feel like that it, it reminds you that you are different to the majority of society and it makes you feel that you're not as worthy as everybody else which isn't true you know autistic people do have their challenges um, and quite often autism is viewed in terms of the deficits it gives someone but there are so many amazing strengths to being autistic that sometimes um, can go you know unmissed and I think you know that's what we need to be doing with autistic children particularly we need to be validating them and you know focusing on what they are great at yes support them with the challenges they have but you know keep keep impressing upon them what they're great at because everybody has their strengths and later in life you know um whether they want to work, whether they're capable of work, you know, it's those strengths that they'll be able to draw on and those strengths will give them their self-esteem and their self-confidence. So how did you get involved with Autism in Mind? Um, so I got involved with Autism in Mind after my own diagnosis. Um, so I madly started Googling um, any, any services that were out there and I came across AIM, which was amazing because for autistic adults, there's not a lot of support out there there is if you if you're autistic with a learning disability um, but for um those without a learning disability like myself there's there's not a whole lot in the region um, so i was really lucky that i live in sunderland and aim is in sunderland um, so i got in touch with carol um, arranged to meet her and just have a general chat and um it it was really amazing. It was what I needed at that time. Um, and the diagnostic team actually refer people to Autism in Mind now if they live in our areas, which is fabulous. Um, because I think when you're going through that process, 
being able to go and talk to somebody to just be able to say, so I've done this my whole life. You know, some people will probably stim um, in some ways and they might flap their hands or they might need to, but they've always stopped themselves. That can be masking, stopping yourself from stimming, you know, so just being able to go in a room and say, oh, I, I always used to flap my hands as a child. And then, you know, I stopped because people made fun of me or um, people told me to stop, you know, having someone there to be able to say, yep, that's a part of stimming. That's a part of autism and that's okay. You're probably doing it because you're anxious or feeling overwhelmed. And if you need to do that, you know, you should do that. Um, so finding them at that time for me was brilliant. Um, and I did their, um, they do an autism specific self-awareness course called me myself and autism it's a 10-week course and i did that with them um, and what it does is it looks at autism um, and the challenges autistic people can face but also the strengths that we have um, and it's very tailored so we don't look at autism just in generalities we look at each person's autism in the group and we share experiences you know if people are happy to do that um, and it just makes you realize that actually, although you felt like you were alone for a big part of your life, you're not, that there are other people out there who have been in very similar situations to you and who struggle in the same ways. Um, and it can just lessen that feeling of isolation that a lot of autistic people feel. So as well as me, myself and autism, what other services does AIM provide? Um, so we're a very bespoke service. So we wrap around the needs of the individual. Um, so if you're autistic and you're over 18, um, you can come and get support from us. If you live in Sunderland or South Tyneside now, we now have a base in South Tyneside. Um, and in terms of the support we offer, with it being bespoke, we don't have an exhaustive list. So we'll have a chat with you and get to know you. For quite a few people, you know, we recommend me, myself and autism as a starting point, if they're, if, especially if they were diagnosed as an adult or they, they're struggling to understand um, some of their autistic traits. Um, but we also offer support in terms of peer support. We do drop-ins and we also do social evenings as well just a chance really for autistic people to come to an environment where they can be themselves and feel comfortable um, and just to to meet other autistic people so if there's somebody listening right now that feels like you know they they are in the category of people that that can have this help but they're just they just don't want to pick that phone up they don't want to make that first move really i think <laughs> It can be really scary to get in touch, especially with people you don't know. Um, but it is really worthwhile. I think um, for me personally, it was realizing that actually I wasn't alone. And I think for a lot of autistic people out there, it's that step to, to meet other autistic people. Quite a few of our staff are autistic as well. So even if you're just meeting with our staff members, you know, they can, they understand the situations you might have found yourself in, the things you struggle with, and we're there to, um, to help you understand them. Um, and we're not there to judge. Autism in mind, one of the things I loved about it was, is that, um, they, they're really um, supportive, they're listening, and they really validate how you feel. I think quite often when people try to explain how they feel, um, 
they're maybe not always understood, especially autistic people. Um, and we aim, you know, we understand and accept if you feel a certain way and everybody's entitled to feel how they feel and to know that it's okay that some days you're going to feel really awful and other days you're going to feel maybe just okay. And so I think it's, I think one of the reasons to come along is to start that process of being able to have someone um, listen and understand your experiences um, and to help them understand that it's okay how they feel and that this is their normal um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I mean, in terms of picking up the phone, the actual technical difficulties of, you know, doing that can be really hard. Autistic people, um, the majority don't like phone calls. I'm not very keen on them myself. Um, so we try and be very flexible. So they can go to our website, which is just www.autisminmind.com. And they can contact us via our website. They can email us, they can text us, and all of the details to do that are on our website. Um, because we understand that trying to reach out to someone can be so hard, it doesn't need that added layer of the difficulties of having to do it on the phone. Well, thank you very much for talking to me. And um, thank you for being so open and honest about your own experiences as well. And yes, one more time, how can people get in contact with Yes, so if you visit our website on www.autisminmind.com or if you would like to ring us, you can call us on 0191 567 2514. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks very much for having me, Emma. So I'm joined by Kay Grayson, female rapper from the Northeast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Having a good day. Good. So let's start about talking about your music journey. Where did your love for music come from? So my dad is a musician and it's like what he's done his whole life. So I kind of started off copying him and wanting to be a musician like him. And then uh, my mum had bought an Eminem album for my brother. And uh, I was about six years old at the time. So it wasn't for me, um, but I stole it from him and listened to it and just love rap ever since. And that was music for me. So I don't think I can name a lot of female hip hop artists in the mainstream, never mind in the local scene. How did you sort of find your feet within the industry? So as far as in the local scene, I mean, I can name one or two outside of myself that have been sort of going for a long time and making music. It was difficult at first, but I think it's the kind of thing where you do have to treat, it's always going to be the elephant in the room, but you genuinely do have to ignore it. It's like, I'm not going to allow the labels that other people are putting on me to stop me from being where I want to be. So it's having the confidence to walk into those rooms where you might be the only woman or, you know, something like that. And just not giving a fuck. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. Frankly. <laughs> to be frank. So how did you sort of get over that from being maybe, you know, young and just like tapping your feet, in fact, in a way, how have you come to being like one of the Northeast great um, women in the scene? So it was one of those things where it's like journey of a thousand steps is one step at a time. And uh, I remember starting out and I did my first gigs when I was like 11 years old. And it was walking into those rooms and being like, 
oh, I'm not sure if this is for me. And I kind of got all those nerves out the way at the beginning. And once I'd got over that, it was like, okay, I can just hit the ground running. And I just take every opportunity that comes my way and I'm grateful for it all. And I think people realise that and that's how I keep going. Do you think there was opportunities given to you? I wouldn't say given. I would say there was opportunities there and me being present meant that I was able to stick my hand up. Um, but I remember my very first gig was with uh, Universal Music and they asked me to do like, a, well, they asked a few people to do like an audition. And uh, I had went in, I'd never performed before, but I went in, I did my bit. And then afterwards they told me they weren't looking for women. So that was like, <laughs> that was a real trial by fire moment. Cheers. <laughs> so I wasted my time, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's that kind of thing where from the beginning I was aware that I might have to work twice as hard, but I was prepared for that. So. Do you think you get put of sort of put in a stereotype? So maybe you know they say, oh, "Have you heard this female rapper?" And they go, "Oh, female rapper, I don't think it should be any good." And then they hear you and you think, "Wow, where did I go wrong?" Do you think you 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 get that? I've I've had that comment at gigs, which is always a lovely time to hear that kind of thing. <laughs> like I I can come off the stage sometimes, and it's happened more than once where people are like oh I heard there was going to be a rapper and I like I heard she was a girl and I thought it would be a laugh do you know what I mean like I thought like they would be terrible and I'll go and see them it would be like remember that rapper went to see who was shit and um and then you were amazing and they're like we felt so bad and we're like this is actually sensational and all of that and sort of having that thing where it's like okay but it's not appropriate to undersell somebody due to your perception in the first place so it's kind of that thing of like you're starting 10 steps back. Yeah, so I've, I've definitely had that. Do you think it was because you were a woman or because you were a young woman or because you were a young ethnic woman? What do you think it was? It was all rolled into one, really. I, I kind of, I've, I've got the punch card on, um, <laughs> beyond, like I'm winning minority bingo at the moment, which is <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, the it was that thing of like, it didn't matter what angle they were looking at it from. There was always something to like sell me short for. It's like, oh, well, she's this or she's that or, you know, and that's happened a lot of times. But for me now, I like to shock people. I like to take it as that challenge. Like, I know what you're thinking when I step on the stage and you're not going to be thinking that when I'm done, you know, so. Do you think you are like um, categorised again where, you know, maybe you have to dress, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way, maybe on stage, in your music videos, even just in general? Do you feel like you have to, you know, can a hip-hop artist, female hip-hop artist wear pink? Well, of course you can because you're wearing a pink hat right now and a pink jumper. Who cares? But do you think you get sort of, oh, they can't do that? Yeah. I think what's really helped me is um, I'm the youngest of a lot of brothers. So like I'm, I'm, I've always been in a male dominated type scenario. So that thing of being like, oh, you can't be a rapper and be soft or you can't be a rapper and be this. It was always that thing of like, well, I'm going to and then we'll just see what happens. You know, like I, I never let what people's expectations were steer me into what I wanted to do because I wasn't doing that in my regular life. Like in my regular life, people like, you know, you should, oh, you should dress more feminine or you should speak a certain way or you should do this. And it's like, well, no. So <laughs> in my music, I don't subscribe to those expectations either. So when you are writing track, how does it, how does it all come about? Where do you get your inspirations from and all the rest of it? 
So for me, it's it's all just real life. Like I, I the way I write songs, I don't like to sit and look at a blank page. I feel like it's really restricting. So I like to sort of just go about my day and as I hear things or I pick things up, I'll make notes. And then when I'm ready to write, it's like a jigsaw. Everything just sort of slots together. So it's got to the point now where when I'm out with my friends, if something happens, they're like, this is going to go in a song, isn't it? And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> it's good to be like that. It's good yeah. to be like that. But I think in hip hop music in general, especially from like the male side and in the mainstream, um, they sort of highlight women in a sort of derogatory way. And, you know, that it's, it's very clear that that is sort of a message within it but how do you as a woman go I don't want to hear all that stuff I'm going to write what I want to write about it's kind of an interesting dynamic and I always used to think about that because obviously being involved in hip-hop I want to represent I'm not just representing myself I become a representative for women as well because I am a woman so um what really got it for me was I, I do some work in schools teaching kids how to write raps and stuff and like I would be talking to like like young teenage guys and they would be writing lyrics about women that were just like wildly derogatory and saying all these awful things and then I would come over and I'd be like would you say that to me and they'd be like well no and I'm like well why are you saying it there because you you you're literally you're blanketing this awful thing across all women because any woman could listen to it and it was that thing of they weren't even thinking of what they were saying as derogatory they were just trying to fit in with this mold and once I started to think about it like that it's like it's just conformity and it, that's kind of it's kind of sad like you kind of want to break it and be like no you should be saying how you actually feel not just trying to fit in with the next person you know so how do you think that you know female rap artists like yourself will get bigger and get the the support the need when there is sort of the male derogatory towards female that sort of presence at the moment like it's it's all about that I think really there's one of two ways and I think both of them kind of boil down to owning the narrative so like I think there's rappers like Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion and artists like that who are just if you're going to say these things about me, I'm going to say them about myself and own it. So like I can steer the narrative in that way. And women, pe- people are now more interested in hearing women so say those things than men. So it kind of takes away the power of their words. Um, and the other way is just by not subscribing to it. It's like, I'm not going to allow my music to be um, sort of morphed by what the mainstream wants me to do like I'm going to create something that's going to be uplifting for women and uplifting for people of color and uplifting for you know despite what the industry might accept as a standard because you say about obviously you've got Nicki Minaj, Meg Thee Stallion they're all very I would say sexualized in the media they're very sexualized and you know even in their lyrics they say that they are sexualized Um, and you're obviously completely the opposite so how do you sort of go, you know what, that's it. Nah, I'm not doing it. Because to me, I think that the persona you create as a musician, you have to be that, you have to become that person. Like it, at the beginning, it might just be like, oh, I'm going to make this song about this or this. But then eventually, if you keep making those kind of songs, you're going to become that person. And you have to be okay with who that person is. Otherwise, you're going to lose your mind, you know. So when you look at uh, someone like Cardi B, like she's very confident in being that over-sexualized um, sort of point of attraction as a person. So me as a person, I'm just, I'm just not like that as a, 
like in my regular life. So I feel like if I created that persona, I would have to live up to it. And that would make me like very uncomfortable. And I feel like a lot of young women who are watching these videos feel like they have to be that to, in order to be successful and they have to fit in with that and they make themselves uncomfortable doing it. So for me, I can't, I don't, I don't have any hate towards people who want to do that. That's fine. But I wanted to be the voice for the people who didn't and just wanted to be themselves. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so talking about like your audience, who are your audience? You know, I would think maybe in stereotypical and, you know, stupid, um, you know, it's sort of, hip hop is for black people not always but it can be and more and more now in the mainstream you know we're hearing it in clubs we're hearing it in every when clubs are open and we're hearing it everywhere so it's not just it's breaking that barrier but then how do you sort of say right i'm gonna break this barrier in a totally different way because i'm not like Nicki minaj i'm not like meg the stallion i'm not this woman that's gonna have a ross hanging out i'm gonna stand here or ride a bike through wherever you're gonna ride a bike and sing <laughs> I think it's it, it, it again it all just comes down to owning what you want your brand to be and what you want your persona to come across as and I feel like because I'm so like like a sort of a storyteller in my music as well I want to be make sure that I'm telling my own story I think people do get caught up in trying to speak for the masses or trying to speak for certain groups and at the end of the day you can't be accountable for everybody on earth or everybody in a group like you need to just be accountable for yourself and what you're saying because like even at my small stage of being a musician I get kids who come up to me and say oh you said this and you know that's really cool or I want to dye my hair blonde or you know I want to get tattoos on my hand and you know I get that way you start to realize how deep your influence is so it's like you need to be aware and comfortable with the things you're promoting Hi, I'm Kia Grayson. You're listening to Any Last Khan, and this is my song, Paris. I ride around Paris on my bike, on my bike. They used to want me gone, said on your bike, get on your bike. And it feels like I've been waiting my whole life, my whole life for this night, for this night, for this night. The rain comes down, but I don't care. I let it fuck up my hair. It will not fuck up my mood. No, 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 bro, it won't there. No, 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 boy, it won't there. No, 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 boy, it won't there. I'm 21, they fresh out the gate. I know what's real, what's fake. I know the lights and the views, much weight, so much weight, wait. Do you really gotta pay? Really gotta give up the bread? To get ahead, you will cut off your head, cut off your nose in spite of your face. You can't take the nose, you can't wait for breaks, can't work for days. You want the chains? You got the chains, but they know the chains be wrapped around your brains. Fuck it, I don't get on tracks to lecture, I just text you. That sneak shit in my architecture. I'll come get you for the bars or get you. But on that note, let these niggas know that it's not that deep. Yo, raps ain't made you no two racks. Scratch that. Looking back like 15 G's Line them up, put them point 15 G's Scraping over pennies, trying to get you your cheese Do you guess I see how easy it is to be deluded? But what if I was you with 10 years, two kids Still like, who's this? Track comes on, it still gets muted That's the rudest Still got holes in your dirty shoes It's music, and it's a business, and it's ruthless You're only known in your city and your home Where you phone all your friends and they say Come along to the show with your bros and the hoes That you and your bros all fuck Go two by two, Noah's Ark pulls up So yeah, 25 folks showed up but if they're your folks so what they don't want to see you blow up they let you go back home where your bed fold up that's too cold bro but you know what 
I'm 21, I ain't fresh out the gate. I ride round Paris on my bike, on my bike, they used to want me gone, said on your bike, get on your bike, and it feels like I've been waiting my whole life, my whole life, for this night, for this night, for this night. The rain comes down, but I don't care, I let it fuck up my hair, it will not fuck up my mood, no, 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 boy, it won't dare, no, 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 boy, it won't dare, no, 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 boy, it won't dare. Whole life been fucked up. I need a little bit of good luck. Just tonight, if it looks up, I could count that as good enough. My whole life been fucked up. I need a little bit of good luck. Just tonight, if it looks up, I could count that as good enough. My whole life been fucked up. I need a little bit of good luck. Just tonight, if it looks up, I could count that as good enough. My whole life's been fucked up. I need a little bit of good luck. And just tonight, if it looks up, I could count that it's good enough. I ride round Paris on my bike, on my bike. They used to want me gone, said on your bike, get on your bike. And it feels like I've been waiting my whole life, my whole life. For this night, for this night, for this night. The rain comes down, but I don't care. I let it fuck up my hair. It will not fuck up my mood. No, 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 boy, it won't dare. No, 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 boy, it won't dare. No, 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 boy, it won't dare. episode over to Claire Alexander, northeast writer of Killing Biff and Chip, which is set in a classroom in the west end of Newcastle. This piece is voiced by any actor Emily Dodds. The Say These sessions are targeted at young people with promise who come from families with low academic aspiration, or thick as should parents as I call it. I think that's me. At first I was offended, but then I went home and asked my dad what he got for his GCSEs and he said, I fudged them. Fudged them? Aye, I got all F's, U's, G's and E's. F-U-G-E. Fudge. So then I thought, well, fair enough, really. This one's about our world. We're talking about the small ways in which we could make our world a better place. It's running over and I'm stuck here. I'll be late for lunch. Miss all the good stuff. The proper food. I'll be left with a dried up tuna sandwich or a shitty slice of pizza. The girl next to me, Chloe, is well keen. No idea what she's doing here. Me, I do jack shit in lessons, but Chloe's got all gel pens and paper chase. Her dad's proper minted as well, so there's no low academic aspirations there. Miss, she says, who decides to target grades? Is it the teachers? I roll my eyes, but actually I'm quite interested because fuck knows how I'm predicted at level 8 in physics. I've barely even opened a textbook for two years. Anyway, turns out our teachers don't predict our grades. No. It goes on what you got for your SATs when you were in year two. So tests that we did when we were six predict the grades that we're meant to get for our GCSEs when we're 16. We didn't even do physics. It's fucking mental. For once, Miss Emmett agrees and doesn't tell me off for swearing. You know what I do want to do, though? I want to go back in time and find six-year-old Kane or me and be like, Riley, love, let me let you into a little secret. Chill the fuck out. Don't practice your reading or your writing. Be shit. 
Forget fucking Biff and Chip. Traitors. Right backwards. Don't learn to count. That way, when you get to 16, they'll think you're proper thick and they'll leave you the fuck alone. But no, I'm stuck with her, Miss Emmett. God, I hate that. Now she's banging on about me water bottle. Says I could swap it for a reusable one and more plastic in the ocean than fish or whatever. I mean, if we're talking about making our world a better place, there's kids here who cannot afford a hot meal, but as long as the fish are okay, then who gives a fuck? But that's a bit trickier, isn't it? You can't solve that with paper straws and seven quid water bottles. Before I really know what I'm doing, I'm pouring my water from my non-reusable water bottle all over the desk and then throwing it into the non-recycling bin. She asks me why. I'm hungry, I want to say. I'm hungry as I've not eaten since one o'clock yesterday because we've got no food in the house. And while you're having a go at me about my water bottle, which by the way, I only got because they had a job lot at the food bank, when am I ever going to be able to spend £1.20 on a water bottle, let alone a fiver for an empty bottle? You're making me late for my lunch. My school lunch. The only meal I'm likely to get today or tomorrow or the next day. So please, please, let me go and get something decent to eat. I don't say that though. Instead, I tell it to go boil her head and I get kept back. Another late lunch. And another single slice of shitty pizza that lasts me the next 24 hours. Cheers, miss. That's all we have time for on Any Last Can. I've been Emma Millen, and if you have a topic you specifically want covered, maybe you're a local artist, poet, or playwright, do get in contact. You can do that by using the hashtag AnyLastCan or slide into our DMs on our socials at AnyLastCan. And together, we can prove that, guess what? Any Last Can. <laughs> <laughs>